Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Well, she is CJ as well. And uh, we're gonna Harley's gonna break down all the latest news. He's no stranger to this channel. Uh, you can follow him at the LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, Harley, there is a lot going on. Europe is committing seppuku in front of the world stage. The U.S. is literally. I don't know. The U.S. is being severed into almost like two different countries as one half of the country is trying to, uh, you know, rein in this this puppet presidency and at the same time trying to prevent World War III from breaking out. So many things going on, Harley. Where do you want to begin? Well, I, I want to talk about the economy, but I, I want to make a, a simple point, which is that people who try to break it down as red versus blue or Democrat versus Republican, or left versus right, miss the point, because in terms of the war, for example, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats are all on the same side. The difference is the Republicans are saying Biden's not doing enough to destroy Russia. Yeah. And the insanity there. And the, from the Biden side, you know, the, the, the attempt to spin the employment numbers is really quite interesting, because you know, the fact that employment levels are now at the same level as mid-2019, and therefore they're saying we're, we've solved the problem, we're moving in the right direction. Only they, they left something out, mm. which is that the actual wage and salary rates fell in the last quarter. Uh, along with and, life expectancy. Well, along with life expectancy, Yeah. But total worker compensation after inflation dropped by 5.5% in the first quarter and 10.9% drop for the year. So people are getting jobs, but they still can't pay for things. And the attempt to blame this on Putin is a coward's trick. Now, the other thing that was really bad was uh, economic productivity. The Labor Department reported that productivity fell 7.5% in the first quarter, the biggest decline in the U.S. economy since 1947. Right. And if you have productivity collapsing at that level, along with wages and purchasing power, you're looking at a disaster in the making. Yeah. And I'll point out CNBC had an article a couple of days ago talking to European CEOs. And the headline of the article is, we see a big recession in the making. Top CEOs are fearing the worst in Europe. And they quote from Stefan Hartung, who's the CEO of the engineering firm Bosch. Oh, yeah, major, is, major company. Yeah. Yeah, big company involved in manufacturing to trains, airplanes, uh, and so on. And what he said, Hartung said, at some point in time, it won't be just a supply crisis. It will also be a demand crisis. And then for sure, we're in a deep recession. Now, 
The same article that, that reported that uh, quoted Deutsche Bank economists saying that the recession will be, quote, worse than expected, unquote. Now, coming from Deutsche Bank, they don't exactly have a good record, but uh, I think they know a crash when they see one. And then the Economist on May 5th had a story in which they said the expectation is that in the next two years, America will be in recession. Now, let me just give you one more quote from a German banker, because this one's very interesting. This is from the uh, CEO of Commerzbank named Manfred Knopf. And he was quoted in Handelsblatt, which is the Wall Street Journal of, of Germany. And he said, the energy supply in Germany is at risk. Supply chains are breaking down. We have high inflation. We shouldn't delude ourselves. The number of insolvencies in our markets will probably increase and the risk provisions of the banks with it. And he said, a third of Germany's foreign trade has already been impacted. And we're going to see surging commodity prices continue and supply chain bottlenecks. Now, this is going on while the Biden administration trots out a couple of their spokesmen to say, look at the great news on the employment situation. Now, when people aren't going to be able to pay for things, the employment will go back in the other direction. But the more important thing is, people are asking me all the time now, well, is this why there's a war? Because the economy is in such bad shape and they're trying to divert attention from the economy. That's not really the reason they're doing it. The reason they're going to war is because they have no economic policy to rebuild the economy. They have no intention to rebuild the economy. They don't mind the distraction, but they're not going to make enough money from a war to cover the debt that they can't pay. And so what we're seeing at, at Executive Intelligence Review is a likely series of chain reaction defaults coming from the raising of the interest rates. And some of that is already figured in. The people who are doing that figure well, we're going to have to let some air out of the bubble. But that's that's not going to solve the problem because the air is going to keep being let out because the whole economy is a bubble. So I was just in, in my update today, this morning, I reminded people of what John F. Kennedy did when he was still facing a uh, recession when he came in. The 57-58 recession had not fully recovered. And by 62, Kennedy realized he had to move drastically to change things. So what did he do? He went after the Federal Reserve. Uh, he issued an executive order in June 1963 to print treasury notes to be pumped in as credit to physical production. This was linked to his investment, which basically said that corporations will get tax credits if they invest the money in new plant and equipment, in research and development, in uh, innovation, and in worker training. And then to move things even further, he expanded the plan for NASA and for platforms of infrastructure. Now, that would have worked. It would have worked beautifully. And instead, they killed him. Now we're at a point where we have an administration with no head. We have a war party with no one pulling the reins against them. 
We are seeing more military people speaking up. I don't know if you saw this the other day, but but uh, Lawrence Wilkerson, the former aide to Colin Powell, came out and said, talking about expanding a war with a nuclear power is insane. Yep. Uh, there are a few others who have been speaking out on this. Scott Ritter has been very good on this. Uh, Colonel Douglas McIntyre, he's been uh, big on this as well. McGregor. Yeah, McGregor. I'm sorry. Yes, McGregor. Yeah, McGregor. And, the, and former retired Colonel Danny Davis, who was a yep. whistleblower uh, in Afghanistan. So there are more military people speaking out. Tom Massey and about eight House members are speaking out. And the rest of the House and Senate are gung-ho for the war. Because they're idiots. And and I, they believe I their own nonsense. I don't think it's just that they're afraid to discuss the economy. It's that they actually believe that the unipolar order is good, it will work, that Russia is weak, that Putin is crazy, and we can beat Russia in a war. And when you start hearing military people, like the head of, of Stratcom saying things like that, then you know we're in big trouble because if they're gonna keep pushing, sooner or later, some of these hypersonic missiles are gonna find their way to the United States. Yeah. And then all bets are off for humanity. So that's the picture. And just one other note that I think is useful. Today in Eastern Europe and in Russia is celebrated as Victory in Europe Day. The actual day for the United States and, and Europe is May 8th because it was at 11 in the evening on May 8th that the fighting stopped. The Nazis surrendered in World War II but the Russians celebrated on May 9th. There was almost no celebrations in Western Europe this year. Right. Now, why is that? Well, because the Western European nations in the United States are pouring arms into Ukraine, into the hands of neo-Nazi militia. Yep. The Azov uh, uh, Battalion and others who trace their origins back to the Ukrainian Nazis who worked with the SS in exterminating Jews, Russians, Poles, and Romanians during the Nazi occupation of Ukraine in World War II. So what, what, what an irony. There should be shame for this. Anyone who's had family members who were veterans in World War II, my father, my uncles all fought. Instead of honoring their service, we're building up an ideological force that was the enemy in World War II, the Nazis. And we're doing it talking about the brave, freedom-loving people of Ukraine. So it's a, it's a real disgrace uh, that, that we have this kind of grouping in, run, in official positions in the United States, in the House, the Senate, uh, the White House, the intelligence agencies, and so on. And the media, of course. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, it's um, at this point so obvious for a lot of people, especially those people who have two brain cells to rub together, <laughs> to realize that the governments of the West are working against the best interests of their population. That's number one. Number two. The governments in the West are so devoid and so not devoid, but so completely detached from reality yeah. that they've created these fanciful echo chambers to themselves, of themselves, and for themselves 
to the point where they are so detached from reality that they don't even flinch when it comes to the threat of nuclear war. This is how far gone we have in terms of leadership in this country and throughout the Western world. It is, it's a type of lunacy, Harley, I've never in my life seen. It's a psychosis, and it's going to end very terribly. And I just don't know, will that be in the likes of a total economic collapse, or will that be the likes of a hypersonic carrying a several kiloton nuke? That's the question. And, you know, V, there are some people who are saying that, well, the collapse is inevitable, we should let it come, and out of that we can dig our way out. I think they're missing the point, which is the same have their own plans as what they're going to do afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. If we don't control and, the narrative, we're, we've lost this. Well, and this is where you have to look in history to see when ruling elites of empires were so detached from reality that eventually people rose up and overturned them. Now, you look at a moment like the Renaissance the beginning with Leonardo da Vinci, with the um, painting and the sculpture, but also the development of science and Johannes Kepler and, and, and so on. What had occurred is that we had just come through dynastic warfare, the Black Plague, uh, one crisis after another. But the solution wasn't from the ruling elite. Right. It was from some of the establishment figures like the Medicis who were smart enough to realize that they had to embrace these new ideas. And one of the new ideas that came out of that period was the idea of the nation state, which was largely shaped at the Council of Florence in 1437 by a, a cardinal named Nicholas of Cusa. But his ideas were picked up later on and used to end the Thirty Years' War they were picked up by people like Gottfried Leibniz. They were brought to the United States by people like Logan and Franklin, Ben Franklin. And the nation state was the kind of physical discovery, the idea of the principle of self-government. The principle, though, that was most important was the idea of sovereign nations shouldn't get into squabbles with other sovereign nations. Instead, they should collaborate and work together. And one of the things they had to do was to defeat the empire, which the American Revolution did. So when I look at the world today, I look back to not that long ago, 1989, when the people of Germany rose up against the communist dictatorship in East Germany, the people of Russia brought down the Soviet Union. And if we really look at that closely, what we see is there were people in Russia who were intelligent enough not to continue to fight, but to look to the West and say, look, we want to be part of you. And that's the grouping that Putin comes from. People who say Putin's KGB, he's anti-Western. Putin was begging with the West from 1999 forward yes, right. to give us an opportunity to work with you. Just don't arm neo-Nazi crazies in Ukraine who are out killing Russians. Right. And the narrative that, that Putin is the, going to reestablish the Soviet Union, That's insane. Putin's smart enough to know that the Soviet Union failed because it was a bad system. Correct. But he also is smart enough to look at the West and say, well, we don't exactly want what you have. 
I, I guess they don't. They're not inter- interested in our woke, uh, one thousand gender pansexual, purple hair uh, Nazis that are running uh, much of our social media programs throughout the the Western world. Harley, maybe maybe they're not so open minded. These Russians. <laughs> well, that's the kind of open mindedness in which the brain spills out. You Very know, well I, said. I think, <laughs> I think the the way the Russians look at it is that we're in the post Christian era in the West. Oh God, yeah. It's, it's and the, in the East, there's, a, and this is interesting for people who remember the Vietnam War. One of the lines was that the Asians don't respect human life. That's why they're willing to send wave after wave of soldiers uh, to fight against America. Well, nowadays, I think the reality is that we can say people in the West don't respect life. Correct. But you look at what they're doing in Asia, where they're committed to developing infrastructure, developing food technologies. I mean, the the Chinese are experimenting with all kinds of work in grains because they know they're going to have to produce more because the West is shutting down its farmers. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're in a situation where the American system still remains a beacon to the world, but most Americans are blind to what it really was. And the American system, as defined by Hamilton and developed further by Lyndon LaRouche, is that the one function that government has with the economy is to give everyone an opportunity, not just those who are born into wealth or those who are multi-billionaires, but to allow people with ideas to have access to credit to develop innovations that will increase productivity. Instead, as I reported earlier, productivity is collapsing. So we have a lesson to learn. We'd better learn it quickly. Yes. Go ahead, Siege. Yeah, Harley, just a, a quick, quick quick question. I had to step away for a second, so you may have inter- uh, answered this. But, you know, one of the thought processes that, you know, we often hear is that, that in order for the current corrupt system to change, the uh, Washington DC bureaucrats, everything is at the, the, the dollar, which has been utilized for, for a lot of the corruption, whether it's in DC, whether it's the, the, the criminality that we witnessed that that's why the current model has to die. Uh, and in order to restart things, in essence, the dollar has to die to, to end that culture of corruption. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that culture of corruption is dying. The question is, will it take the whole world with it? And that's where, you know, the, in a sense, the dollar itself is not the problem. You do need currencies. I mean, there are some people who say get rid of currencies completely. Uh, but I think that that doesn't work because you still have the problem of who makes the credit will control things. So you do have to bring down the people who are running things at present. The Davos crowd, the City of London, the Wall Street, the, the Jamie Diamonds and so on. They have to be removed from a position where they can dictate policy. Now, the question then is, do we have enough people who actually understand how to produce wealth? You know, some people admire someone like Elon Musk because he's on paper worth so much. But what's the wealth that's being produced by that? Well, Musk at least is smart enough to build cars and have a space program. But... I'd like to hear what he has to say about the the volume of money being pumped into the system. 
which is not only causing the inflation, but is the cause of the collapse of the dollar. Yeah. And the only reason the dollar hasn't collapsed is the rest of the world is in a, a worse situation. We're living under an avalanche of unpayable debt. Now, the first thing that has to be done is either have a moratorium on debt or cancel it. Now, that's a very sharp measure, which will hurt a lot of people. But the point is that most of the people who will be hurt are the ones who created the, the debt and have profited from it by their control of the monetary switch at the Federal Reserve and the central banks. That's where government steps in. And by government, I don't mean big government. I mean the people. Do Americans want to see money flow into Amazon and, and uh, Gates and, and the billionaires who are basically creating fake money? Or do they want to see industry? Do they want to see physical economy? And that's what government has to do. Retake the credit system away from the private speculators and put it in the service of physical production. And the argument that, well, most people don't want to work for a living, I think people would prefer to have an opportunity to have a good life than to live a hand-to-mouth existence as probably more than 60% of the population is living right now. So, you know, people who say, well, the only way to solve it is to have the whole thing collapse, a disorderly collapse would be pretty bad. An orderly collapse, an orderly cancellation of debt is what's needed. But it's going to require the American people taking the Congress away from the money interests and putting it back in the hands of the people, which means congressmen have to become afraid of their constituents again, as opposed to Wall Street and the city of London. And that's what's needed. Fear has to return. The American politician needs to understand that his very political existence hangs by a thread. And in order to do that, we need to have that vigilant citizenry that Franklin, Benjamin Franklin always talked about. Because he said it is a republic if you can keep it, but it is for a morally upright and vigilant citizenry. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're lacking here in this country, Harley. And this is what it concerns me the most is can America emerge from this collapse? Can it exist? Can it be brought to fruition? Can a Lazarus come forth moment occur when there is very little vigilance within our citizenry, except for maybe 3 to 5% of the population, if that, and morally upright? You know, these are the two big questions. And I, I'm hoping and praying to God that this, this, uh, this idea of being morally upright, this idea of being vigilant, spreads like a virus amongst the population there. And I, and, I, and I think possibly, Harley, that anger that stems from the exposed corruption that we're seeing day-to-day, week-to-week with the Biden administration could be the very catalyst that can get that done, I'm hoping. Well, you know, I think that if people actually knew what the American system is and how it functions, they'd be quite excited by the prospect of what we can do if we took the power away from the present grouping that has dominated it since uh, the end of World War II. You know, I I mentioned the Kennedy administration. There were efforts that were made up through the early 60s 
with things such as the investment, various kinds of programs to return to the policies of the, the Hamilton system, the period when we built the steel industry and the coal industry uh, based on the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, and here's the important thing. Most of the world is moving away from this collapsing Western system. We just don't get that reported to us. And this is really the part of my job is to make sure people understand that most of the world is not anti-American. Right. They're anti-Wall Street. They're anti-London. They're anti-International Monetary Fund. They like the American people. They just understand why we're so sleepy and allowing the, the uh, criminals to run the country. Because we're in a stupor thinking that, they're, that everybody, everything's wealthy, everything's peachy keen, the country's doing great. The average American on the street thinks that, hey, you know what, uh, everything's cyclical. We have this, this stupid normalcy bias, this cognitive dissonance that has been injected into our, our, into our psyche that it's all cyclical. Oh, inflation's up right now. It's just transitory. Oh, gas prices are up right now. That's okay. When the, when, the, when the other political party takes over, it'll come back down. This is all cycles. We've all seen this before. What they don't realize, they haven't seen anything like this before. They don't realize that they're in a world-ending paradigm, that their world, their way of life, their quality of life, their American lifestyle is about to come abruptly to an end. That's what they're – and this is why they're, they're literally like a bunch of sleepwalking lemmings walking over to the cliff. And at times, it, it, it says to myself, maybe, maybe if a small fraction of us, Harley, 3 to 5% of the population, were so virulent in our overthrow and our taking over of the mass narrative, especially when it comes to government, that we can wake up these fools once the crash happens. You know? It, it's I, I unbelievable. Think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people in the United States, even those who say it's cyclical or it's going to be all right, Deep down at night, when they're sitting there reviewing their credit card accounts and reviewing yeah. their mortgage payments and reviewing the fact that their business may be failing or that uh, imbeciles who are the CEOs of their companies are, are bankrupting the company with debt to, to build up the stock to increase their bonuses. I think most people have a, a dim view of the future. Yep. And one of the aspects of the United States is this idea that we, if we look like we're doing well, we can fool people. Well, you can spin these numbers all you want, but you can't spin a mortgage payment. You can't spin feeding your children. You can't spin the money that it takes to fill the gas tank. And reality will hit with a sting. And the question then is if there are enough people out there presenting serious, legitimate alternatives that will work. And that's what we're doing at the Schiller Institute. We're also saying it's not just the United States that, that this is going on. It's all over the world. People are waking up. Uh, you see the, the reestablishment of the BRICS, the, the likelihood that Lula is going to win the election in Brazil and bring Brazil fully back in on the side of Russia and China against London and Wall Street. Uh -huh. We see South Africa moving in that direction. Big countries in Africa like Nigeria and Algeria. Uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, uh, the global South is not accepting the narratives of Biden and Boris Johnson. Yeah. Boris Johnson pretty much got booted out of India. 
Then yeah. he sent Liz Truss. She got oh, booted out. Another brilliant individual, Liz Truss. Then Modi went to meet with Schultz in Germany, and Schultz told people he was going to get Modi on the right side. And as Modi left, Schultz was saying, hmm, I couldn't reach him. Well, that's because Modi represents a country with 1.3 or so billion people that has a desire to escape the cycle of poverty that was imposed on it by the British Empire. And they're not going to embrace a Boris Johnson. So, you know, I, I think that the, the question then is if we take a sober look around the world, we would see that a big part of the problem is American pessimism. We used to be optimists. We used yeah. to believe we could solve problems. You know, the, the Apollo 13 movie, for example, gives a, a, a real insight into that, that quality of the character of America as opposed to the idea that we're screwed and we just don't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very well said. Harley, uh, anything else that you would like to add? No, just people can watch my daily updates. They can get them at the LaRoucheOrganization.com. I try to keep people uh, up to date on what's happening with the war situation, what's happening with NATO, what's happening with the European economy. And to, you know, provoke people a little bit, stick a burr on, think about what they can do. Absolutely, very well said. And folks, uh, again, I want I want all of you to go over to the LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, uh, right there. That is the website. Don't go to LaRouche Pack. That's completely something else. Don't go to LaRouche Pack. It's LaRoucheOrganization.com. Here's the latest updates, especially, you know, uh, the new ones out right here from the Schiller Institute, the Manhattan Project meeting live at 2 p.m. May 7th, which just passed. OK, um, again, you got to sign up here. Harley's on there. You have um, Helga Zeppel-Rouche, everybody part of the organization. And folks, get on there, sign up. So when they have these symposiums, like what they just did with the Schiller Institute, you are alerted and you know what's going on because it's very vital for you to, to do so, you know. Well, thanks. Thanks for that that uh, little plug there, V. Absolutely. Harley, thank you so much. Uh, it's been wonderful. Uh, hopefully we have some good news. I think uh, next week our YouTube is finally coming on. I think we've, you know, we, we, we had a lot of the bugs fixed. Then we tried to do a, a, a test launch and things broke again. And, you know, so hopefully uh, next week we should be good. Uh, I think we have, uh, I think we should be in the clear. So I'm crossing my fingers, Harley. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> Just watch out for the Biden disinformation team. Oh God, I forgot about Mary Poppins. <laughs> I got a, I found I forgot about the tyrannical Mary Poppins. Oh boy. <laughs> the untalented scary Poppins, as they scary call it. Scary Poppins is right. I mean she believes that only left wing viewpoints are censored online, not right wing. Yep. Lunatic. Lunatic. All right. Well, let's make it through this week and I'll see you next week. You got it, brother. God bless. Enjoy. Cheers.